Hi, I'm Adele Last and this is the news for week commencing 30th of October 2023. Former Harrier Group CEO Kelly Reynolds, formerly Kelly Quirk, has filed in her adverse action claim against her former employer in the Federal Circuit Court after Judge Alison Laddams released her verdict last week as reported by Industry News Service Shortlist. Judge Laddams assessed the actions of Harrier Chair David Sobitz in firing Reynolds for alleged misuse of her company credit card as justifiable and ruled against Reynolds' claim that she was fired for complaining about bullying and an unsafe work environment. During Harrier's investigation, it discovered that Reynolds had requested Amex points accrued on a company credit card be transferred to her personal Qantas frequent flyer account. However, she had continued to fly business class at the company's expense without using these points. She had also used Amex rewards to redeem 11 $100 Freedom Furniture vouchers for her personal use. Despite Reynolds' claims that she had repaid the personal expenses, the judge ruled that her conduct nonetheless breached her employment contract, seriously risked Harrier's reputation and viability, and justified summary dismissal. Five publicly listed recruiters have recently released updated financial results. New Zealand listed recruiter Accordant reported revenue of $112.1 million New Zealand dollars for the six-month period ended 30 September 2023, a fall of 8.8% compared to the same period a year ago. Accordant's blue-collar brands, AWF and the Work Collective, reported a 3.4% rise in revenue. However, the company's white-collar brands, Madison Recruitment, Absolute IT, Jackson Stone and Partners, and Hobson Levy, reported a collective 14% sales decline. ASX-listed talent marketplace, Freelancer Limited reported group cash receipts for the third quarter ending 30 September 2023 of $13.7 million, up 1.2% year-on-year. The company has a market cap of $88 million. ASX-listed talent platform Airtasker reported revenue for the first quarter ended 30 September 2023 of $11.1 million, up 5.6% year-on-year. Group EBITDA stood at $1.1 million compared to a loss of $2.3 million the year prior. The company has a market cap of $84 million. Ransad reported that organic revenue per working day was down 7.3% year-on-year in the third quarter 2023, resulting in revenue of 6.26 billion euros. The Asia-Pacific region was the only region to report year-on-year growth, 2%, although revenue in Randstad ANZ was down 2%. Global gross profit declined 13% and operating profit dropped 22% to €245 million. NASDAQ-listed executive recruiter Hydrogen Struggles 2023 third quarter revenue rose 3.1% on a reported basis, although Executive Search, the company's largest business line, saw revenue fall 7.9% year-over-year in constant currency. Hydrogen Struggles had 417 Executive Search consultants, a 28 consultant rise compared to a year previously. Net revenue per consultant was $1.9 million. US dollars during the most recent quarter compared to 2.2 million US dollars a year ago. In the APAC region, revenue and executive search dropped 20% in constant currency for the third quarter 2023. Hydrogen Struggles has a market cap of 495 million US dollars.
Industry News Service Shortlist reported the loss of the Defence RPO contract caused Manpower Group Australia's revenue in the September quarter to drop 34% year-on-year, although operating profit was up 64% as a result of a laser focus on operational efficiency and strategy in specialisation, diversification and digitisation, according to local MD. Penny O'Reilly. The decline in revenue versus prior year was expected and reflects the successful transition, O'Reilly told Shortlist. Local HR and payroll platform Employment Hero has secured a fresh $263 million capital raise, a figure that prepares the venture for deeper international expansion. The Series F round was led by California giant Technology Crossover Ventures, which has previously backed global titans like Airbnb and Spotify. The investment arrives just months after Employment Hero released Swag, an app combining traditional rostering, payslip and leave request functions with advanced recruitment tools. The company's vision is for Swag and its new artificial intelligence-powered talent acquisition system Smart Match to lead a new era of Employment Hero's expansion internationally. Within 12 months, Employment Hero will, be, will transcend the traditional confines of HR and payroll, said founder and CEO Ben Thompson. We will open doors to a world where talent flows like water through a pipe right to your doorstep. That's the future we're building. Businesses can seamlessly plug into our unparalleled reservoir of talent with automatic compliance and compensation mechanisms. The company states the new raise puts Employment Hero's valuation in the $2 billion ballpark. Seek New Zealand reported job ads fell 2% in September after rising in August. Volumes are now 1% higher than they were in September 2019, but 25% lower year on year. The decline was driven by a decrease in job ad volumes in the largest urban regions, including Auckland, Wellington and Canterbury, as well as the largest industries. Applications per job ad fell for the first time in seven months, but the 4% drop sees levels still at historically high levels, 118% higher than August 2019. The largest sector in New Zealand to record an increase in job ads in September was sales, up 4%, followed by community services and development. The winners of APSCO Australia's 2023 Awards for Excellence were announced last Thursday in Sydney. There were 12 different recruitment agencies represented among the 15 category winners, and the winners were Best Brand, Talent, Candidate Experience, SAPSHA, Client Service, TRUCO, MSP of the Year, Manpower, RPO of the Year, Talent, Health and Wellbeing, Allegis, Best Workplace Culture, Cornerstone Medical, Specialist Firm of the Year, Patch Personnel, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Aquent, Learning and Development, Manpower Group, Innovation, Leaders, IT, Small Team, SAPSHA, Medium Team, Wisdom, Large Team, People Bank, and Staffing Professional of the Year, Melanie Wallace-Smith from Page Group. Congratulations to all the winners. The gloom in the tech sector continued this month, with layoffs announced recently at two significant recruitment industry platforms. LinkedIn, the largest online job advertising firm in the world, announced it is laying off approximately 668 people across its engineering, product, talent and finance teams. LinkedIn's revenue surpassed $15 billion US billion for the first time in a fiscal year for the year ended June 30, 2023. 
Recruitment CRM Bullhorn also swung the axe two weeks ago, firing 150 workers after a company LinkedIn post shared a message from company founder and CEO Art Pappas announcing the 9% reduction in headcount. We felt this action was necessary to align our workforce with the economic environment the industry is facing, Pappas said in his message. According to TrueUp's tech layoff tracker, there have been nearly 390,000 employees fired at nearly 1,800 tech companies so far in 2023. Recruiter and hiring manager scepticism appears to be even more important than ever if results from a recent survey of job seekers is any indication. Recruitment industry vendor Resume Lab surveyed over 1,900 US-based workers in August this year to examine job applicant behaviours. The study was seeking insights into lying during recruitment, the scale of the phenomenon and the reasons why applicants decided to lie despite the risk. When asked, have you ever lied on a resume, 37% of respondents claim that they lie frequently. Education proved to be the only demographic predictor of the likelihood of lying, but maybe not in the way that you think. Job applicants with master's or doctoral degrees self-reported the highest incidences of frequently lying on resumes, 58% frequently lie, compared to all other respondents, 29% without a college degree and 30% with a bachelor's degree frequently lie. There were no other disparities within different demographic groups for frequent resume lies after the responses were segregated by gender, age, political affiliation, religion and work industry. Respondents were then asked, what did you lie about on your resume? And the topmost six nominated answers were, embellishing responsibilities in general, nominated by 52% of job seekers who admitted to lying on their resume, my job title, to make it sound more impressive, 52%, Fabricating how many people I managed, 45%. The length of time I was employed at a job, 37%. The name of the company that employed me, 31%. And made up the entire position, 24%. When asked, have you ever lied in a job interview, 44% of respondents claim that they lie frequently. Again, the highest level of education was a statistically significant variable in predicting interview lies, with 63% of those holding a master's or doctoral degree admitted to frequently lying. And that's the news for the week beginning the 30th of October 2023. I'm Ross Clennett. Hey, are you liking listening to our podcast, Recruitment News Australia? If you are, it would really help if you could give Ross Clanner and I a five-star review on whatever podcast app you listen to it on. Please hop onto the review section and give us a review next time you're listening on your favourite episode. And thanks for listening. So off the back of that last news article this week around the survey in the US about candidates lying, I thought an interesting question of the week might be about our own experience in this space, Ross. I'm interested to know, have you ever encountered a candidate lying in the recruitment process? And tell me about what happened. (laughs) Have I ever? Uh, Well, perhaps because there's so many, I think I'll just recount the very first instance that really actually fortunately happened to me, but not because of a candidate I placed. This is back when I started in London and I took a call from a client about a candidate that had been placed by a colleague of mine who had subsequently left. And this candidate was allegedly a qualified accountant. And as it turned out, once some digging had been done, the the accountant 
was not only not qualified in terms of being a chartered accountant, he didn't have a degree and his assertion of A-levels and O-levels proved to be only accurate as far as the O-levels went, not the A-levels. So that that really shook me up as a 23-year-old to imagine that someone could lie about something that was so significant, like being a qualified accountant when they weren't. When they weren't. But my own experience was actually um, quite a bit later in my recruitment career, and I placed an HR manager. Well, when I say placed, she didn't start, and this is why she didn't start. I'd, I'd been desperately trying to find an HR manager for this role with a very particular client. And I'd had an offer turned down and I finally got to this candidate that my client was happy with. And so he offered her the job. It was like quite a senior role. I mean, this is like around 100K and this is like 20 years ago. So like very senior HR role. And I was um, following up reference checks. And the... A candidate gave me a mobile number and I asked about a landline. She said, oh, no, no, my um, former boss is on leave at the moment, but he's happy for you to call him about the reference. So anyway, I called this boss, in inverted commas, and asked, you know, the normal sort of questions. And then at the end, I said, oh, and just for checking purposes, what's your landline number? And he ummed and hard and said, oh, you know, we've <laughs> recently got a new um, landline in and um, I don't have it with me. And so I put the phone down and I just made a little note to follow up in a couple of weeks. And so the candidate was working out or supposedly working out notice. And when I rang this uh, boss back on the landline, I spoke to this person, let's call him David Smith. Hi, David, this is Ross Clennett. I took a reference on, let's call her Samantha Brown, um, three weeks ago, and I'm just calling up just to validate that it was you I spoke to. There's this pause. <laughs> and he said, Ross, I've never spoken to you in my life. And my heart, my heart stopped. I'm like... Oh, uh, you know, Samantha Brown, he goes, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but no, we've not spoken. I've never given a reference check on her. And frankly, I probably wouldn't. Right. And I'm like, oh. And so <laughs> I, I rang the candidate and confronted her with this information and she basically said there must have been a mistake. Anyway, I won't go through the whole story. Anyway, I found out that the person I was talking to was her fiancé. <laughs> and so I had the very um, tough job to ring my client and tell him about the candidate that he'd been waiting some time to start, you know, what the results were. But, of course, it was much better that I called him before she had started rather than oh. after she had started. So, obviously, the uh, offer was withdrawn and, yeah, so that was um, quite – and why I remember it so strongly is because, of course, this is an HR manager. Like, you know, <laughs> this is someone that you'd expect wouldn't be lying, but oh. she'd lied completely. Oh. And 
it was, I mean, again, a big fee. It was like a, I don't know, 18, 20K fee that I finished up, again, having to do another six weeks worth of work before I finally placed the role. But So anyway, that, that was my, oh, sorry, my two experiences that um, worthy of sharing. So Adele, what about you? What, what, what sort of significant or memorable experience or experiences have you had in this area? Yeah, I hate to say there are a few to choose from. So I guess our own experience uh, confirms what that survey said, that it is actually more frequent than people realise that people are lying through the recruitment process, which is why you need to be very diligent as a recruiter, of course, in the process in what you're doing. But one that really stands out to me uh, was really significant and it wasn't that long ago and uh, it was a candidate who presented with uh, some very high-level qualifications in relation to um, a safety role, in fact. So it was a role that required them to have a number of different qualifications in safety, accreditations, uh, and, a, and a relevant level of work experience of which this person all presented with on their resume. We had actually conducted the interview, a colleague and myself, and then after the interview, I had trouble getting in touch with this person via email. And so we contacted, we were trying to send through, I think, the job description or something to him and it wouldn't go through. And in any case, we contacted him and asked him for an alternative email address very innocently saying, is there some other way we can get this document to you? And he provided an alternative email address, which actually had a different surname. So it was the same first name that he had, but a different surname. And mm. uh, we then, for I don't know what the reason was, um, but my colleague said, I wonder why, you know, I guess for a woman it's probably more common if there was a different surname, you would sure. assume she just got married. Mm-hmm. Um, but with a man, I suppose, or divorced. <laughs> with a man, <laughs> you, you don't assume that. And so my colleague looked up, Google searched the alternate name, and we were horrified to find that this person was actually currently um, in the papers uh, being charged with fraud. He had actually completely fabricated the the, uh, resume document right down to um, the places that he, well, actually put it this way, he had fabricated the qualifications, but he had been employed in the places he'd been employed in, but he should never have been. So one of the examples was he worked for the Royal Flying Doctor Service as a paramedic without a qualification, administrations. Yeah, like it was really, really scary. So we were lucky to discover it through the interview process, but then we did have the difficulty of how do we get out of, you know, the process with him after having such a positive interview and us sounding like we were going to move forward and present him to our client, how we sort of backed out of that. And again, we were fairly direct with him and sort of said, look, we've discovered some information about you uh, that's publicly available and we're a little concerned, you know, can you give us any explanation? And he tried to give us an an explanation around the idea that it wasn't him, that it wasn't, uh, (laughs) it wasn't his, say, it wasn't the same person, although there were photos on the newspaper articles, so we could see it was. Mm. Um, he tried to talk about having been married and that that was his. He had changed his name. The only reason there was a different name was because he had been married, and uh, it was lots of stories. Anyway, like the lies, or you know, when somebody lies, then they have mm. to create more intricate lies to cover it. So that was my most significant memory around this. But I'm wondering whether you know both our examples, Ross, whether the way we handled it was the best way. I mean, what advice would we give to recruiters now if this situation 
arises for them or they suspect someone's lying, how should they go about it? Well, I think the first thing is our job is to be professionally sceptical, Adele. So we should always be mindful that a resume is a marketing document. It's not a legal document. It's not actually illegal to put false information on a resume. It is the recruiter's job to validate it. Uh, So in terms of in in an interview, um, a candidate's eyes are going to be one of the most significant uh, indicators. And this is validated by Dr. David Craig's book, Lie Catcher, and I thoroughly recommend it. It's only about 20 bucks online. And he talks about the importance of eye contact, blink rate, and when you notice a significant change in a candidate's eye contact and blink rate when you're asking particular questions, it's not that they're necessarily lying, but you want to take note that there was a change and may that indicate that there's an area to explore. So, for example, a reason for leaving, that if you find the candidate's eye contact with you breaks more frequently uh, or they blink more frequently, then that's something that you should be aware of. The more specific the question the more difficult it is for the person to make up an answer on the spot. So yeah, you that's should what I've always... always found. Yeah, I've always found that that uh, I've said to people that usually lies lack detail. You know, people yes. will tell a very arch, overarching lie, but as soon as you start to pick it apart and ask some really minute details sometimes, like, oh, so how many people were in that team? Or mm-hmm. what what date did that project finish? You know, some of those really fine details, you'll see, see people start to fumble over the detail, the fine details in a bigger overarching lie. Yes, it's uh, the technical term in lying is called text bridging. They attempt to avoid answering specific questions and provide a general answer instead or to redirect their answer into another area of the question. So absolutely, they're the, they're the things to, to be wary of. And of course, the obvious one, which is when you ask for referees, that they're not forthcoming with referees that are recent people that they have reported to. Um, I've always found that 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 can be a clue. So what about for you, Adele? What what, what sorts of things have you found or would you recommend uh, recruiters be adopting to maximise the likelihood you catch someone out if they're lying? Yeah, look, even something as simple as a Google search nowadays, you know, in my example, uh, that was was the determining factor of us finding out information. So uh, check out your candidates online. Uh, It could be as simple as Google searching their name to find out more information. Yes, do quality references, check that information thoroughly, um, ask for detailed uh, information about anything you suspect might be a lie. Look for things like you said in terms of eye-breaking eye contact and, uh, and blinking, and that's why it's really important to do interviews in person as well because those Mm. things are more easily picked up in person than over a video interview but yeah it's a really interesting topic perhaps one we could um, go on about for days and days by the sounds of it but thank you for sharing that Ross and uh, feel free uh, if you're listening to share any of your stories with us um, when you see us or via the comments and let us know if you've had uh, examples of candidates lying to you. And remember everyone the best liars are also often the most confident 
and charismatic people. So always be particularly skeptical of people who are especially confident. And now you're up to date with your recruitment news. And for all previous episodes, visit our website at recruitmentnewsaustralia.com.au. And connect with us on LinkedIn. Ross Clennett and Adele Last.